Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The This One Goes Out to the One I Love edition as I sit down for a round of fun facts with the first player to wear the number one in Bengals history, numero uno himself, Jamar Chase. He'll share his impression of Joe Burrow when they met at LSU, describe being singled out by President Trump at the White House, and discuss his passion for fashion. Then, I'll spend a few minutes with free agent offensive lineman Riley Reef, roughly two months after he signed on the dotted line with Cincinnati. And finally, it's my choice for the Bengals' best under-the-radar draft pick this year. I'll tell you who it is and why I feel that way, and then we'll hear from one of his college coaches. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since billions. From time to time on this podcast, my greatest thing since is something that I'm watching on TV. And more often than not, it's a show that's several years old that I'm finally getting around to watching on demand. That's the case with the show Billions that premiered on Showtime in 2016 and has had five complete seasons so far. I've watched the first two, and overall, I'd give it a B plus. But having said that, the next-to-last episode of Season 2 is one of the best hours of TV I've ever seen. The name of the episode is Golden Frog Time, but I'm going to call it the Ice Juice episode. It was so good that I wanted to immediately go back and watch it again. So, if you're looking for something to watch, I can't vouch for all five seasons of Billions, but the next-to-last episode of Season 2 is so good that I will strongly recommend at least watching up to that point. Now, let's get to football. Before we get to fun facts with Jamar Chase, here are a few thoughts on the Bengals' schedule that came out on Wednesday night. We already knew that it was going to be tough, If you go by last year's records, the Bengals have the sixth toughest schedule in the NFL. Nine of their 17 games are against playoff teams from last year. Eight of the 17, nearly half, are against teams that won 11 or more games. Most of those games are the result of being in the AFC North, since the Steelers, Ravens, and Browns all won at least 11 last year. Only four of the Bengals' 17 games are against teams that won five or fewer games last year, the Jags, Jets, Lions, and Broncos. We already knew who they were going to play and where they were going to play them. On Wednesday night, we learned when. A couple of things stood out to me. In the first four weeks, the Bengals only faced one team that had a winning record last year, Pittsburgh, with home games against Minnesota and Jacksonville and road games against the Bears and Steelers. The Bengals have a chance to get off to a solid start and build some early momentum. And if they can get through their first eight games at or above 500, six of the Bengals' final nine games are at Paul Brown Stadium. Here's hoping there's a lot at stake when they are playing at home in December and January. On a personal note, I don't know at this point if I'll resume traveling this year to broadcast UC games on Saturdays and Bengals games on Sundays, but if so, the NFL did me a solid on a couple of weekends. 
in September, UC plays at Indiana on a Saturday before the Bengals game in Chicago on Sunday, an easy four-hour drive. And in October, UC plays at Navy on a Saturday before the Bengals are in Baltimore on Sunday. That's about as convenient as it gets. Now, it's time to get to know the person under the pads. It's my Fun Facts conversation with the 2019 Bolitnikoff Award winner as the best receiver in college football and the fifth overall pick in this year's draft. Time for some fun facts with wide receiver Jamar Chase from Metairie, Louisiana. Jamar, let's turn the clock back to when you were younger. What were some of the things that you and your buddies liked to do growing up around New Orleans? Yeah, uh, growing up in Harvey, um, we played basketball outside, throw up tackles, stuff like that. Um, Ace snowballs for the most part. You know, uh, for the most part, we was always doing some type of sports activity outside in the grass or in the street. It sounds like basketball was your first love. When did that change and why? Uh, basketball changed after my high school coach recruited me to come to Rummel. Um, coach Gary, he recruited me at a football game at a championship my, in my middle school. Uh, I think after what he told me that day made me realize, you know, I want to play football. We're doing fun facts with Jamar Chase. Your dad played college football at Alcorn State. How did he impact your development on and off the field? I would probably say he helped me the most part for my preparation. Um, for the most part, he always pushing me through for everything, keeping my head on focus. Um, and he's he's almost like my manager the way he, he he treats me. You know, make sure I'm always on the right foot. So you know, I can ask for that. Nothing but that. Who is more excited on draft night, you or him? <laughs> I think I was. I don't think he was. I think I was more excited than him. So I wasn't even paying attention that much. I was too excited myself. <laughs> Jamar, you won a state championship in the long jump when you were in high school. Did you specifically train for that, or could you just show up and win? I actually showed up and just won. That was my first year actually doing long jump, and I won the state. So uh, that was an incredible time for me. And uh, after the after I won, you know, I, I started falling in love with long jump. So when it came time to pick a college, you were all set to make the announcement on national TV at a big mm -hmm. high school showcase event at Nike headquarters out in uh, Beaverton, Oregon, and everything went haywire. Can you right. describe what happened? Well, we just, I know our 7-on-7 seven seven, seven seven team just finished the uh, game right before the championship game. This is right before the championship game. I was going to announce my my commitment. And um, <clears throat> I was walking over there with my hat and gloves. You know, everything's in a box, a lot, not letting anyone know. Um, and I get over there, you know, sit down for a minute and then get back up, and they tell me, um, we don't have any more space for you on the internet live. So uh, we're just gonna have to catch you another time. And, you know, once I heard that, I was just like, dang, this might not be the place for me. You know, this might not be the sign God's giving me. So I think I need to take another chance. So the hat was a TCU hat, correct? Correct. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. So TCU is completely bummed out <laughs> that the fact that you got bumped on that internet show cost them the best wide receiver in the country. I mean, it, it worked out for me the, the, the right way. I mean, uh, I wouldn't change nothing about it. I mean, uh, if I do the outcome at TCU, then I probably would have a change, but I don't think I will. It worked out great for you. It obviously worked out great for LSU as well. You went there, and your freshman year, a quarterback shows up that transferred in from Ohio State named mm -hmm. Joe Burrow. Do you remember your initial impressions of Joe? Um, 
Um, my first time seeing Joe, Joe was a quiet dude walking in the locker room. Um, he didn't really say too much. He was all about business, actually. Um, so when we walked in, we got on the field. Joe was Joe was just out there playing football. He didn't he didn't make too much noise. He didn't he didn't say anything. Only time he would say something is when he had a correction to what we were doing. When did you realize he was something special? I would say my my sophomore year, the summer of my sophomore year. Um, the way we prepared for that season was just incredible. Um, I think Joe was 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 the main reason why, just by how he led the team, you know, the the offense that year, and uh, it showed. So you were part of a tremendous receiving room at LSU with Justin Jefferson and Terrace Marshall and others. And you guys started a tradition called the summer of 10,000 catches. What exactly right. was that? Uh, the summer of 10,000 catches were catching 10,000 balls every day, but not every day, but as many as we can every day to 10,000. Um, I will not tell you that was probably the longest 10,000 catches I've ever did in my life. <laughs> Did they even have to be footballs? Could it be a tennis ball? Could it be any sort of ball? Uh, no, it was it was only a football. We was only doing footballs. Um, we would only use tennis balls to get our hand-eye coordination ready for practice. And you plan to continue doing something similar, right? Yes, I do. I still I still going to keep the 2,000 on me. Uh, it might not be 10,000 catches, but, you know, that, those would be my goals to get as high as I can, you know, and keep my hands consistent. We're doing fun facts with Jamar Chase. Your sophomore year, Joe Burrow wins the Heisman. You win the Bolitnikoff. LSU wins the national championship. And the team goes to the White House. And President Trump only mentioned one player by name, you. And he asked, and he asked you to speak to the crowd. Describe that experience. I did not want to go up there, actually. Uh, I actually told him no. Um, I was a little shy going up there in front of the White House. And I seen all those cameras and the media in front of me. So I was a little spooked. Um, you know, when I got up there, my accent came out hard, hard. And I didn't really know what to say. And I was just like, how y'all doing and stuff. So uh, for the most part, it, it was just a, a cool experience to have. Before the draft this year, there was a debate among Bengals fans about whether the team should take you or Oregon offensive lineman Panay Sewell. And there was kind of a a joking civil war between Team Chase and mm -hmm. Team Sewell. Did mm -hmm. you see or hear about that? Uh, I think I I seen one of them, the Team A and Team B. I definitely seen I seen that uh, I seen that yesterday actually. Um, so after I got picked, I seen it again. I don't think anybody is complaining. Even the people that that thought that Panay Sewell would have been a great pick are delighted that you are going to be a Cincinnati Bengal. You are looking sharp on draft night, white suit orange pocket square sneakers with the orange and black accents Did the possibility of being taken by Cincinnati have anything to do with your look. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. Cause the shoes I had on was, was a last minute shopping. Um, it just so happened to come with that, with that orange on it, orange and black tip on it. And uh, in my pocket square, it's just a, little, a last minute call too. So everything was a real last minute. My shoes that I wanted to wear didn't come in. So um, I was fine with it, you know, I, I like how I looked and, and I went with it. Are you into fashion in general and sneakers in particular? Uh, I am actually. Um, today I have on a Jet Life jumpsuit from New Orleans and some Dior. So um, I try to dress as stylish as I can and comfortable as I can. Are you excited that the NFL has changed the rules and will now allow wide receivers to wear single digit numbers? <laughs> Of course, I have a chance to get back and one in the NFL. You know, I keep that confidence, keep my mind going right, and and, and finding my my passion again. You know, and 
and taking off with this with this community. I think I think it'll be fun. Were you going to wear seven? Had you played for LSU last year? Were you going to switch to seven? Yes, correct. I was going to wear seven at LSU my last year. Yes. And that's a, a like a number of honor at LSU. Is that why you would have done that for the one year? Yes, sir. That's that is a number of honor. Uh, that's a big number at LSU. You know, it shows tradition, pride, and, and just the love of the game. Um, I think me wearing seven would have been a big help, you know, for LSU and myself also. Um, I just want to leave another legacy and another number at LSU. On draft night, I asked you about the Bengals' legacy of great wide receivers, including A.J. Green and, and Chad Johnson. And you said, I'm going to break every record they've got. Yep. That's a bold statement. Do yes, you admire athletes who can talk the talk and then back it up? Of course. I mean, if you can talk it, that's the point of you having a mouth, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> God gave you it for a reason, so we need to use it. And um, I mean, as long as I prove it to myself, you know, that's that's all I got to do. You know, go out there and play my game and, and let my let my play talk for itself. You're off the hot seat. Appreciate the time. Look forward to watching you play. Thanks for having me. Jamar and his fellow rookies will be on the field at Paul Brown Stadium on Friday morning for the Bengals rookie minicamp. We turn from a rookie to a 10-year veteran. It's been about two months since the Bengals signed Riley Reef to be their right tackle this year. The former first-round draft pick by Detroit spent his first five seasons with the Lions before spending the last four with the Vikings. Now, he's leaving the NFC North for the AFC North. And I started our conversation by turning the clock back to March and asking why he decided to sign on the dotted line the night after going out to dinner with offensive line coach Frank Pollock and other teammates and coaches. You know, I, ca I came there and I was real, uh, real impressed with, uh, you know, the core group of guys that had uh, Coach uh, Taylor. He was awesome. Um, just being with Frank and... Uh, what they had envisioned, uh, Brian Callahan, and I'm excited to be here. When you signed with the Bengals, you did a conference call with Cincinnati area reporters, and you were asked about Joe Burrow, and you said, I can't wait to block for this guy. Why did Joe make such a strong impression on you? Just his love for the game. I mean, everything, he's constantly thinking about football, uh, down-to-earth guy, um, you know, I've, I've kind of watched some of his film since I've signed there, and I, I'm excited. I mean, uh, I'm sure you guys are as well. Um, really looking forward to winning a lot of games. In addition to the ability that you bring to the offensive line, Riley, you're a veteran. Like I say, nine years of NFL experience under your belt. This is largely a young group with guys like Jonah Williams on the left side. Now Jackson Carmen's coming in as a second-round draft pick. How important is that? And who were some of the veteran guys that helped you early in your career? Yeah, when I first got to Detroit, uh, I was still pretty raw. Um, there was guys like Jeff Backus, uh, Dom Raiola, um, Rob Sims, uh, Stephen Peterman, uh, guys that are shareless. I mean, they're all old guys. And uh, they helped me out tremendously and uh, shaped where I am today. And, uh, you know, I'm excited. There's a lot of talent in that old line room, a bunch of good guys. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to join the group. Playing offensive tackle in the NFL is hard in any division, but I think it's especially hard in the AFC North. When you face the Browns, you got to try to block two guys who are the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, Miles Garrett and Jadevian Clowney. T.J. Watt in Pittsburgh led the NFL in sacks last year with 15, and then you've got the Ravens. You don't know who you have to block because they blitz more than any other team in the NFL. Was that a consideration at all when you elected to uh, come on board with the Bengals? 
Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that you look at, uh, you know, um, every week in the NFL, you're going up against good guys. I mean, not saying those, those guys are phenomenal pass rushers, but, uh, you know, it's, it's always a challenge and, uh, you got to bring your best every week. The Bengals brought back an offensive line coach this year who's widely regarded as one of the best in the National Football League, Frank Pollock. What had you heard about Frank over the years and how much interaction have you had? I've had some real close friends play for Frank and, uh, you know, they endorsed him. And, uh, you know, when I got to meet him coming up to Cincinnati, um, I fell in love with the way he uh, he approaches the game, um, you know, his his attention to detail. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to play for him. The Bengals drafted three offensive linemen. When you're a veteran and you're following the draft, are you locked in on the guys they add at your position or are you really looking at the whole group? Yeah, we're excited uh, to get those guys in here, you know, help our group out. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of followed it closely. And, uh, you know, um, the guys we brought in, they all seem like good kids. So I'm excited to get to work with them. As I mentioned, Riley, you spent the last four years in Minnesota playing for a guy who remains very popular around here from his years with the Bengals, Mike Zimmer. Zim still has a hunting lodge in uh, northern Kentucky, I believe. So I think he's in this area quite a bit. What did Zim tell you about Cincinnati and also about playing for the Bengals organization? Zim, uh, he's one of a kind. Uh, great guy. I love him. Um, you know, I actually joked. I said, what's the what's the passcode to your to your ranch? And, you know, he, he was like, you need to go out there. You know, you know him. Uh, you know, he loved it here in Cincinnati. Obviously, he's still close. Uh, spends off seasons here. But, uh, no, I'm I'm excited to be in the Midwest. What have been some of the highlights of your career to this point? Played in some big games in Minnesota. Um, it's really just the teammates, the bonds that you create. Um, you know, getting to meet d different people from different parts of the, you know, the country, the world. And, uh, you know, it's been a fun ride. This will be year 10, which is a pretty extraordinary thing in the NFL. How proud are you of, of lasting for a decade and hopefully several years beyond this? I always said I wanted to play eight years, you know, achieve that, still feel good, uh, still have a lot in the tank left, um, you know. I, I still feel young. Let's just put it like that. Um, and then excited to get to Cincinnati and work with the guys, meet some of them, you know, face to face. Uh, we're on this Zoom thing right now, like uh, most of the world is. But, uh, you know, it's nice. it'd be nice to get in there and see the guys. You've been very durable in your NFL career. You've played at least 13 games in all nine of your seasons. I think you've played at least 15 games in seven out of nine. How have you stayed, you know, so durable? And, and what kind of things have you played through in order to be able to uh, answer the bell week after week? Yeah, I mean, as an offensive lineman, you take pride in, you know, showing up every week and going out there and playing. But, uh, you know, that get puts a lot of credit on our strength coaches, our training staff. Uh, just those guys getting you ready um, in and out each week. A lot was made of the dinner that you had the night before you assigned your contract at the precinct. What was the dinner of choice? Uh, gosh, I think I had the Collinsworth. Uh, no, I had the Collinsworth <laughs> on top of the rib. I, I, either way, I can't remember what it was called. It was phenomenal. Um, you know, Ruby does a great job there, and uh, I had a great time. I seem to recall at the time that. Jeff Ruby gave you a cigar at the end of dinner and said that if you signed with the Bengals, he would give you a box of cigars. Was that the case? And has it happened yet? <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. I haven't been in Cincinnati since uh, 
you know, whether he gives them to me or not, it's, it's, <laughs> it's all right. I'm not, not too worried about it. I don't smoke too many cigars anyways, but uh, no, it's just a pleasure uh, meeting uh, Jeff and uh, you know, I'll be back there. Have you had much interaction with your new teammates yet? You know, just on Zoom calls, uh, the offensive linemen, um, you know, we have a group chat going. Uh, a lot of them reached out to me, you know, said welcome. And uh, I, I just want to get get in the building and meet the guys. You know, I met, met most of the coaches, so – but I want to meet some of, the, some of the guys and get to work. This franchise boasts arguably the greatest person to ever play your position, Anthony Munoz. Have you interacted with Anthony at all over the years? No, I haven't. I've, I've never met him. Uh, you know, you hear a lot about him, just what he's, what he uh, accomplished on the field and uh, the type of person he is. Um, it's an honor to play, uh, you know, to play for the Bengals. There's, they have had a lot of good guys and, uh, you know, I'm just excited to get there. When you reach the stage in your career, you don't go to a new team unless you feel like you've got a chance to win. What about your interaction with the coaching staff and, and some of your new teammates led you to believe that this is a team on the rise? You know, that just their, their uh, you know, their will, their, their hunger to win, um, you know, scheme. You know, it seems like they, you know, they got the right scheme, the right fit. They know what they want. Um, but we, we got to put in the work. I mean, that's all it comes down to. Uh, talk's cheap this time of year. Um, get to work and see where the, you know, the chips fall. What do you have planned between now and when you really have to get after it in training camp? Anything fun? No, not really. Uh, just kind of hang out, uh, work out. Um, I own a ranch around here, so there's always something to keep me busy, whether it's fence or trees or whatever. So <laughs> I stay busy. Maybe maybe uh, get a little fishing in. Uh, the walleyes are biting around here right now, so maybe I'll sneak out one day and get some in. Riley and Trey Waynes will face their former Minnesota Vikings teammates in week one. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. It's light and refreshing with a hint of fruit flavor. Since the draft, I've been asked a bunch of questions about the Bengals picks, including who is your favorite under-the-radar selection? My choice is fourth-round pick Cam Sample, the defensive lineman out of Tulane. Let's face it, Tulane does not get a ton of respect in college football, but as the radio voice of the UC Bearcats, I've seen how many outstanding players there are in the American Athletic Conference, and Sample led the league with 42 quarterback pressures in 11 games last year. Then he went to the Senior Bowl and earned the Top Defensive Lineman Award on his team. Last week on this podcast, I was joined by the great Greg Cosell from NFL Films, and he sent me his scouting report on Sample. Greg wrote that Cam has a relentless and methodical explosiveness to his game, powerful and heavy hands with constant leg drive. He added that Sample was a fun player to watch with his high-level competitiveness and intensity and his relentless speed and velocity as a pass rusher. For more on Cam Sample, I recently caught up with his defensive line coach at Tulane, Byron Dawson. Coach, what are the Bengals getting in Cam Sample? going to get a... a a humble, relentless, hardworking, high-character football player. He led the American Athletic Conference in pressures last year. The Bengals have struggled with their pass rush in recent seasons. How do you think he projects as an NFL pass rusher? You know, the biggest thing that I'll tell you about Cam Sample is he's, he's versatile. And so he's, 
a situational player. He's an all-situational player. So uh, he's a guy that's going to help you on first down, but he's also going to do a great job on third and long. So, you know, uh, you know, just looking at the way he plays, he can play the one technique, the shade. He can play around the center area. He can move out to the three. He can play a nine technique and rush from the edge, and he can also drop in the coverage. So I think that versatility and that great effort that you're going to get down after down, and that's the reason why he was able to lead our conference in pressures and uh, do a great job just harassing the quarterback. He went to the Senior Bowl and was named the top defensive lineman on the American squad. What do you think that said to NFL teams and scouts in evaluating Cam? Well, it, it just shows that it translates to, to the best of the best. Some people may have questioned how does he play versus uh, Power 5 players and also play versus the uh, best of the best. You know, the senior bowl, that's the best of the best in college football. And he was able to go out and use the same principles, use the same instincts and smarts that he used to have success in our conference. And he had that same success versus those great players at the senior bowl. So so we're really just proud of him and, and how he's represented Tulane University. What's Cam like as a teammate and as a leader? You know, come early, stay late. High character young man. Uh, he comes from a great family, great upbringing, very coachable. You know, uh, he listens. You know, he's very detailed. He's a, he's a uh, film rat he's type of guy that will come in and break down the opponent. And uh, like I say, he's got great football savvy and plays with great football instinct. He can really feel the blockers and uh, respond to different sets and project what type of play he's going to get pre-snap. I can hear in your voice how happy you are for him. And I get the sense it's not just because he's a Tulane football player. Why are you so excited for Cam Sample? Because good things need to happen to good people. And so whenever you have somebody that do things the right way, come early, stay late, yes, sir, may I please, just old school uh, values, uh, make good grades, very respectful. You know, he's the type of guy that you want your uh, daughter to marry. So when those guys win, you know, we, we like to think sometimes that nice guys finish last. But in this case, Nice guy finished first. So I'm just excited about Cam Sample and him going to the bank. The type of guy you want your daughter to marry, I think, is the highest praise a person can give out. Exactly. (laughs) He deserves that for sure. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.